0: Hello, ninjas and ninjettes, and welcome to another episode of the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. My name is Tim Cameron Kitchen, Head Ninja at Exposure Ninja and best selling digital marketing author. This week, I'm joined by Aaron Aegis. Now, Aaron works in content marketing for a company in Australia, and these guys work with some of the world's largest brands. So, people like IBM, Coca Cola, a sales so huge enterprise companies. Now, I wanted to bring him on the show because quite often there's a perception that these large global brands have got everything sewn up. You can't compete with them online. So if one of them is in your marketplace, you always have to accept second best. And what we talk about today is the content marketing strategies, which can help you win in in any market because often these enterprise companies, they're not doing this stuff properly, right? So if you're a smaller business competing with them, then there's a chance to do some stuff and get some movement there so aaron's going to talk us through a content strategy and show you how to create content on your website that gets you ranking and gets a lot of engagement and social shares as well as always if you enjoy this episode then please head over to itunes stitcher or wherever you found it to leave us a rating and review it really helps and gives us some encouragement so um, and if there are any other topics that you want us to talk about then head over to exposure ninja on facebook and let us know anyway enjoy the show Welcome to the show, Aaron. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Sweet. So we're going to be talking about content marketing and SEO today. And your company works with some huge, huge global brands. But you didn't start there, did you? So maybe you could go and give us the uh, the story of how you got started in digital marketing.
1: Yeah look we definitely didn't start there we had some humble beginnings uh, as many do it, it was about uh, 10 years ago now and my then girlfriend now wife and co-founder of our business we we had gone on an extended trip to Thailand and we were we were sitting in sitting on a in a villa a beautiful villa in Thailand and thinking this is just perfect we need to be able to find a way to do this full time uh, as in earn a strong currency, live on a cheap currency and, you know, be able to live wherever you want. So the whole geo arbitrage thing. So, you know, we spent a lot of time there thinking, well, how how can we piece something together that enables us to do that? And, uh, you know, at the time we were seeing people saying that they're making money online and we thought, well, all right, let's investigate that. So my co-founder had a background in marketing. My background was in IT and we thought, look, we're going to combine our skills and, and work out a way to make some money online. So we, we ended up going back to, to Sydney where uh, we reside now and uh, it took us about four months of uh, full-time work to try to learn everything we could about online marketing. Yeah, confused of all the different channels you could be doing and tactics and everything else. And about four months in, we made 40 cents online that, that for us was extremely exciting. There was high fives and jumping around because we, we, know, we knew then what we know now, which is that the internet can be you know, highly automated and almost infinitely scalable. And that, that very next day we turned that 40 cents into $400 um, and then continued to grow that from there. That's awesome. I guess uh, the realization that this internet machine produces money—happy days! It it was amazing. Yeah, I mean, and it was ten years ago. There's a lot of different sort of content that existed on all of this stuff online. So to think that it it was real wasn't just all hype and that sort of thing was fantastic. And you know, we we started in affiliate marketing, so uh, you know, driving traffic to other people's websites and taking commission. And that was how we made our first money. And, you know, the, the transition from that into the agency that we have today was uh, um, really around people seeing that we were able to drive traffic to our own web assets and, and to other people's sites and saying, look, you know, if you can do that, surely you can tell me how to do it for my site. And so we started consulting with smaller businesses and quickly learned that that wasn't a place that we wanted to be and and moved up to some of the biggest companies in the world.
0: Obviously, working with these huge global brands like you do, like Coca-Cola and people like that, there is a layer of businesses underneath them who aspire to be like these huge brands. And I guess the tendency when they're looking at digital marketing is to look up at these companies. Like I know you've worked with Salesforce, right? Yeah. So companies that want to compete with a, with a brand like Salesforce, to look up at them and think, well, we're never going to be able to compete against that. They must just have everything dialed down. They've got the budget. They've got everything in place. It's not
1: always like that, is it? It's often the opposite, uh, we've found. Uh, there's so many reasons why some of these big companies aren't doing some of the basics that that you'd be recommending to people. Um, it, the, the amount of bureaucracy that happens in some of these businesses just to get small changes made is ridiculous. So, uh, you know, they're, they're no longer agile. They can't implement things and move on and do the next thing. They're big, slow-moving beasts and... So when, you know, we, we come a, across and, and look at them and think, how are you not doing some of these basic things? And then even even some of the, the employees in, in marketing roles within the company have no idea of the importance of some of these things that we, we talk about with, you know, great content strategies, content promotion, link acquisition, technical SEO, all of those things.
0: Yeah, it's, it's- Crazy! I, I, we said in the pre-chat, I was on the BBC website the other day. BBC website, one of the highest authority websites in the world, and their, their homepage title in the UK is just BBC Home, right? There's yeah. no attempt to do any optimization of that page title, and that's such a fundamental thing. So, do you think that the speed which these companies are able to move and the pace at which they're able to adopt digital strategies and and move with digital marketing leaves space for other companies to encroach on their patch and steal a little bit of that market, perhaps.
1: Yeah, certainly. And, and that's what we say to a lot of people that, you know, get get it right from from the content strategy down. So make sure that you are targeting great content around topics that are relevant to your business that these guys aren't able to create good good, quick content on you know, create this sort of content, you know, where there's gaps that exist in the market and create a lot of it and make sure it's relevant to your business and interesting to other people. That sort of thing is, it surprises me how these bigger businesses, so many of them just aren't creating great content on a regular basis and the whole success of their business is run on paid traffic or run on the fact that their business has just been known offline for so many years. So it's that inherited authority.
0: Yeah, it's it's nuts. I've noticed I was doing some um, competitor analysis around the electrical retailer space online in the UK and there's like a newer brand of online only companies and they've just completely taken the digital visibility from the large established players because they're fully bought into content marketing. They've got these huge content areas bolted onto their sites. They're, you know, the product descriptions, category descriptions, everything is super in depth. They're really active with their blogs. They're working with other influencers. They're writing content for other blogs and they're having other bloggers write content for them. And the established players haven't really seen that coming or they haven't jumped on it fast enough. And if you look at the visibility of their sites, actually, there has been a, a, a complete switch of authority in the market. So I think I think it's really interesting. It's something people should jump on. You've actually produced an amazing guide on content marketing, haven't you? I think everyone should go
1: and download it. Where do they find that? Uh, yeah, that, that's the uh, complete guide to building your blog audience that I uh, did it with Neil Patel. That's available on our website. Pop-ups there on the right hand side of the uh, website. And that's louder.online. Yeah,
0: correct. So let's, if if you don't mind, let's talk about blogging. We mentioned that these larger enterprise companies maybe aren't so hot on content marketing all the time. And blogging is something which they mostly don't do. Or if they're doing it, they're doing a really poor job, right? It's just where they dump in their, their media releases and their news, their company news, their corporate news, which is so dull. Yes. How do you go about convincing a large company like that, that their blog is actually a really good
1: opportunity to attract and convert organic traffic? It, it can be difficult. I mean, from from our, in terms of our clients, 90% of them are US-based. And what we're finding with a lot of these uh, big US-based companies is they're actually a, a lot more advanced in the education and understanding of what's needed compared to you know, some of the Australian you know, businesses that we deal with. So while they're still not doing it and not implementing it all, they there's less of an education process in telling them what they need to be doing, which is good. But it, trying to convince them to actually do it you know, comes down to a lot of numbers, a lot of explaining in layman's terms and getting them to understand that uh, you know, showing s- successful cases of this working uh, with loads of other companies and exactly why it works. And it's literally breaking down, you know, uh, yes. SEO and search volume conversion amounts and, and all of it and showing how blogging and, and editorial content is really core to the whole process. Without editorial content, you can't get links. And without links, you can't get rankings and, and so on and so forth.
0: So imagine that they're you know, they've decided that they want some help with their, with their content and with their blog. One of the things I, I read in your blog guide is this, this idea of creating a fictional profile for the target blog reader. And you actually go pretty far with these guys. Then you? you even give them a name and, and find a stock photo, which kind of represents that. Why go through this and, and how do people, how do listeners start to identify what their target blog reader avatar should be?
1: Yeah, we go through that when we're building out content strategies for clients. It's the whole buyer personas and or reader personas and and those sorts of things. And we build that out because the most successful blogs are the ones where it's personal and you're talking to one person precisely. And that one person is precisely who you want to have reading your content because they're either going to be the sharers of your content or the people that you want to work down your sales funnel. And so that's that's why we, we really nail that so specifically. And yeah, there's a lot of other core cool things that we do in the content strategies that make sure that it's like a, you know, a true north document where no matter what content you're writing, you're making sure you're aligning with these things. And it's things like, um, you know, there's the, the buyer personas, but there's the user journeys. There's your caller and secondary messages. Yeah, the goals and business objectives as well, and and so many other things that you need to align with. It's just one really key part there. Yeah,
0: and and would this be something that the company needs to do themselves, or would you have any questions which you'd ask them to kind of help them identify this buyer persona? Because I think it might be something that people don't. Well, I'm I'm guessing it's something that people wouldn't really know where to start necessarily.
1: Yeah, we do a lot of guidance there, but we do get information back from the clients. It can be a little bit difficult to start with, but you know, it's critical. You need to know who you're talking to. You need to know how to talk to them and why you're talking to them. You need to know their pain points and what it is that you're, you're solving for them and and why you're doing what you're doing. And all of that comes out when you're, you're creating this imaginary person. (laughs) Okay, so we've got the imaginary
0: person and they're looking back at us with a nice stock photo that represents them. How do we work out what we should be talking about on the blog, which is really going to interest them? And how do we kind of motivate those guys to actually get involved with sharing rather than just writing something which we hope will be interesting but maybe wouldn't necessarily be shareworthy.
1: That that one point there is is really important to mention. I I would say ninety-nine percent of the websites that we come across, people are writing content because they think it's going to be interesting. There is no data to back it up, no reasoning, no validation. It's just, oh uh, yeah, we'll we'll write about this next. It's kind of got to do with our business and about, about our product. And so people should just like it. We do. <laughs> the reality is, yeah, it's, it's frustrating. <laughs> the, the reality is that you've got to look at it from the perspective of, you know, what are they actually asking? What questions are they asking? And and what problems are, do they have? And so what we do is we, we've got tools that we've put together where we can pull questions being asked in, in your industry from different uh, websites, uh, question and answer sites around the web. Um, and that, that pulls in in real time questions people are having in your industry. And, and so when you're doing idea generation, we like to, you know, one step is to go through this, look at common questions and, and combine them to say, all right, people keep asking about these topics in these ways. We look at the exact words that they're using to say, you know, the sentences to, to really understand how they're phrasing the pain and the problem um, and make sure that we're use, you know, answering those sorts of questions in the same way and the same terminology within the content. Uh, we also mix together things like keyword research. We look at Google Trends. Uh, we we go across a lot of different data to say, all right, this is a good topic that we should be doing. And at least that way we know that we're creating content where we know there's going to be a hungry audience behind it. Uh, and it's not just guesswork. And the reality is doing that successfully means that the actual marketing of the content, which almost everyone doesn't do, is is going to be a lot more friction-free and successful. So you're actually being guided
0: by the questions that people are already asking. So you know it's going to be popular. This isn't like five things that you need to know before you buy our product. This is, you know, what's how do, how do I get to my goal using this thought sort of thing?
1: Yeah. And if you do have a product, we're often we're saying stop writing about your product. If this is editorial <laughs> content, write about stuff that people want to know about that people would genuinely, naturally want to link to from their own websites or share socially. If you're getting those two things done, then you're succeeding with the content strategy because those links mean that you're going to get better rankings and, and drive the traffic direct to your product and sales pages. If they're sharing socially, it means you're getting more social traffic to your site. So if, if we're ticking those two key things then you, you know you're creating piece a good piece of content and you know ideally if you have a uh, if, if you are creating this editorial content it'd be lovely to tie your product in some way but yeah stop talking about your product and service and your business all the time you don't need to you can talk about your industry you can talk about things that are relevant crossover industries so many things
0: and you mentioned that you have you have your own tools which identify what these questions are in the market are there any publicly available tools that you use as well?
1: Yeah, there's loads of them. I mean, even parts of the tools that we use are out there. There's um, Quora Content Scraper for Google Sheets. If you you Google that, um, a friend of mine, John Doherty, created that and made it publicly available some years back. So it's a really basic version where you can at least find out what people are asking on Quora, make sure you're putting in the right categories there and, and away you go. Awesome. And we use Answer the Public a lot. Is that something
0: that you've played with? Yeah, definitely. That that's um, yeah another version. There's a few of them out there. Answer the public is something that we've used a lot too. Cool. So we've got the content, and something that you guys do really well, and I know Neil Patel's a big ab- advocate of as well, is doing the outreach to make sure that it gets links. Right. So Neil often talks about finding people who've written about a particular topic and writing some better content, and then going out to them and saying, hey, can you, you know, this is this is better than something that you've already linked to. Would you be interested in, in linking to it? How much of the outreach strategy do you do is before you write the content? Do you just write the content and then figure out, okay, how are we going to get this stuff out there? Or is it a case of we know who we're going to be targeting here. Let's write some content, which they're going to like.
1: Yeah, we we do it with a, a marketing first approach. Um, so that's why knowing what questions people are asking means we know there's an audience out there for it. When we're when we're doing the research on the topics, we're we're looking at what sort of content exists and saying, you know, why why does it exist? Why does it do well? Are there a lot of links? A lot of social shares? And if so, just like you, you sort of touched on, we pull out everyone that's linked to that previous post or previous posts. We find everyone that's shared it socially and. That is, That uh, you know, goes into the, the marketing side of things after the post goes live. There's also you know, a whole part of the process where once we've written the post and before we publish it, we go back through it and we say, who can we link to in the right way, who's relevant, whose content's relevant here, what sort of influences can we sort of uh link through to. And then we make sure that um, you know, we're we're lining up to tweet at those guys once a post goes live to say, hey, we just included you here. Or just link to you over here so that we can get some um, more awareness on the
0: content. I love that. So you'll look for influencers in your marketplace and instead of requesting links for them you will include a link to them in the post and then tweet them out to say, hey, this piece has gone live, it mentions you, hoping that they'll share
1: it, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, It's a good way of doing it. And people are quite willing to share that sort of stuff socially. Doesn't take you much time at all. And you're doing what is really critical there, which is giving rather than um, receiving and and stop stop asking for things and and go out there and, and give to people first. And that's what this is.
0: I guess you've taken this to another level as well by actually interviewing these influencers on your
1: blog. Why? Why? Why do you do that? What's the strategy behind that? People love to be interviewed, and uh, if you're interviewing people with uh, a big audience, then you've got linking opportunities, social distribution opportunities. You're building relationships, and for me, it's the relationship part that's actually the most valuable because that. If you play your cards right, that that's the sort of thing that, that lasts a long time. It's not just a, a one-off. Hey, share this post or link to me.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think that's such a such a slick strategy.
1: How do you identify
0: who it is that you want to interview? How do you draw up your hit list there?
1: Um, ideally, in any industry, people should know your industry online. You should definitely know who's talking about what, who's sharing the most content, who's got the biggest voice socially. Uh, who's got courses and programs and services and everything within your industry? Uh, you, you can start to understand that pretty quickly, and that should really guide your decision-making process. When you, you can use tools like BuzzSumo, for instance, where it can you know grade you based on the amount of followers and audience that you have uh, within any within any industry. So it's another way to sort of say, okay, well these are the people I want to target. Plus also knowing who's out of reach, who's not worthwhile spending your time on. There's there's a lot of different ways that you've got to cut it based on what you see them doing in the industry.
0: Yeah, and I guess start with the people that you really want and then you'll find out what sort of response you get and then you might have to settle for someone less to start with, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's one way of looking at it. The other way is that, um, you know, if you're providing real value to people instead of looking for an ask, then you can reach a lot more people than you actually thought. And there's a surprising thing where a lot of these A-listers that you'd want to reach out to and want to be involved in, a lot of people are in the same boat thinking, what have I got to offer them or I could never reach out to them. So a lot of people just don't. There's a lot more people just not reaching out to them, thinking everyone in the world's going to be reaching out to them. They couldn't possibly connect with me. And, and funnily enough, reaching out to some of these guys, you can really connect with them a lot easier than you expected.
0: That's awesome. So don't be fooled. Just because they're popular doesn't mean that they're getting as many requests as you might think.
1: Yeah, exactly. If you provide value and get comfortable with rejection, then you're, you're going to go somewhere. And, and what would be your process for reaching out to
0: these guys? You send them a tweet. Would you, I guess, link them in some of your content and let them know that they've been linked to, would you reach out to them by email? Like what, what would you do and how would you say it?
1: A, a multi-pronged approach, uh, <laughs> as I mentioned, all goals here, are in building a long-term relationship with these people. So it, it's about. connecting with them socially on whatever platforms, sharing their content, commenting on their blog posts with informative and valuable posts uh, comments, making sure that they're taking notice because you're putting value into their lives. And, you know, eventually you can talk to them a little bit back and forth on social, find their email, hit them up, and again, provide value all the way until there's something that, you know, you feel that they could do for you and you feel you've earned it. That's awesome, yeah. So just build a relationship, old school. I mean, that's what so many people are missing. You know, I I just did a a podcast episode on on this on on our podcast as well. It was all around um, providing value in and how real offline relationships people forget about that online. People are looking for tactics, quick wins, not not having to have their face seen. You know, how can I ping a thousand different people about this? And it's (laughs) like, really, online actually. It works very similar to offline. Build proper relationships and add value to people's lives. And you've just got different technologies that will help you do that online. And I mean, if you keep that in mind, you're going to be quite successful. It's amazing,
0: isn't it? If someone's constantly liking your posts or they're constantly sharing you, eventually mm-hmm. you, you start to recognize their name and you, you start to become familiar with this person. So if you're trying to reach out to someone, reply to their stuff retweet them you know some of the relationships i've i had a long conversation this weekend with a journalist that writes for a, a national publication that i've followed for ages and ages we're just constantly kind of replying and liking and stuff like that you just start to get on their radars and then when the time comes you can reach out to them and you're familiar to them already it's not like you're just going in cold and asking them for a favor like you say it's about being on the radar and delivering value as much as you can
1: yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. It it works. And yeah, you're building long term relationships for long term value. There's not it's not going to be one thing that you can get or give. Um it's gonna be multiple over however long you guys have a relationship for. So build it properly.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. Um I'd like to switch gears if if uh if possible and talk about content syndication. Sure. So it's something that we haven't really talked about on the on the podcast before. So I I noticed it in your guide and thought it would be a, a good thing to chat about. So Everyone has been on, you know, news sites or magazine sites or whatever. They finish, they get to the bottom of the article and then they see their little, their little posts that say popular around the web or, you know, trending on a line or whatever. And then there's a few little snapshots of articles and some of that stuff is like Kardashian costume fails. And then some of it is like relevant stuff. Perhaps you could talk us through exactly what that thing is and, and what sort of companies benefit from having their content seen there.
1: Yeah, that's native advertising. So it's you uh, know I mean, one of the biggest networks is Outbrain, and what that is is it's it's actually a really cheap way to get a lot of traffic, comparative to other networks like AdWords and, and those sorts of things. You can get a lot of traffic through. My experience with it is that it's quite difficult to actually get anything from that traffic. Uh, a lot of the sites that you're you're seeing these native ads on, there's a lot of entertainment and news sites. First thing is your content at the bottom has to be really eye-catching to get anyone to click through and has to be somewhat relevant to the content that the person's reading at the time. Once that happens, they're then flicked over to an editorial based on your site. But you've had to write it in such a way that's appealing to the audience of a random entertainment site somewhere. So it's really hard to then match that tone style and everything else plus call to action and, and anything you're trying to do to get them to take action on your business website. Um, you know, if you were trying to drive news and um, entertainment traffic through to another news and entertainment website, you might have um, greater success with it. But uh, I've not worked with any businesses that um, have seen too much success with native ads because of those reasons. Okay, fair enough. So
0: it's mostly suited to you know general interest stuff rather than the stuff that has a specific business goal right it,
1: in my opinion i'm sure there are loads of people out there who have seen massive success with native ads because <laughs> they exist and there's um you know, big networks and big money to be made there and big money's being spent so uh, i'm assuming people have had a lot of success I, I haven't for the types of businesses that that we've had um but yeah, I'd love someone to show me how to do it differently. That'd be great. <laughs> okay, well, if we find someone to talk about that, we'll let you know. <laughs> cool. Always, um, always keep learning. That's, that's what I yeah, keep learning. I never stop and I, I love to learn new things from anyone.
0: This is true. And as soon as you learn a bunch of stuff, it's all changed anyway. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, this has been awesome, man. Where do people find out more about you and Loud Online?
1: Yeah, uh, look. at yeah, Our website louder l o u d e r dot online, uh, or you can get me at uh, on Twitter at I am Aaron Ages. Uh, Those are probably the easiest places. I'm all over LinkedIn, so you can find me there as well. But yeah, look, hit up our website and and you can get all the contact details from there.
0: Spot on, and that's Aaron Ages, A G I U S for those who are correct. Uh, I'm familiar. Sweet. Amazing, man. Thank you very much. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you for having me. Hey, guys, Tim here again. Did you know that five years ago, I wrote a book, sat on my bed in a Word document, which went on to become a marketing bestseller? That book was called How to Get to the Top of Google. And in the book, I just explained step by step how to rank any website at the top of Google. Really, really simple, straightforward, plain English, exactly what I was doing for people at the time, so I was just talking through the process that I use. Now, since then, we've updated the book a number of different times, and the book has become such a success that Exposure Ninja is now a 60-person company, and it's uh, in a large part down to the success of the book. Anyway, if you want to check out the book, it's really useful. If you're looking to improve the ranking and visibility of any website in any market, this shows you exactly what Google is looking for when it's deciding where to rank your site. So check it out, how to get to the top of Google. You can find it on any Amazon site and a bunch of other places as well. Just Google it, you'll find it.